You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. And welcome to the Radioactive Show, produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne and heard nationally on the Community Radio Network. Hello and welcome to the Radioactive Show. Produced at my home on unceded Wurundjeri lands for 3CR in Nam, Melbourne, and brought to you with the support of the ACE Nuclear Free Collective at Friends of the Earth. My name is AC. On the 10th of July 1985, Greenpeace's flagship protest vessel, the Rainbow Warrior, was bombed by the French government agents in Auckland. Fernando Pereira, a Greenpeace photographer on board at the time, was killed in the blast. The bombing was a major diplomatic incident and helped shape the nuclear-free identity of Aotearoa New Zealand. But it was part of a much bigger and more deadly story of French colonialism in the Pacific, where nuclear testing in Mororoa and Whangatafa atolls has left a legacy of disease and death for the Maori people of so-called French Polynesia. Today, we hear from Oscar Temeru, independence leader and five times president of French Polynesia, and Ina Manuireva, an Auckland University of Technology academic and PhD candidate who is from Mangareva, one of the French Polynesian islands most affected by nuclear testing. Later on in the show, you'll hear from Stephanie Mills, a former Greenpeace Pacific nuclear test ban campaigner and previous chair of Greenpeace's New Zealand board, on the impacts of the bombing on her organisation and the international nuclear free movement. All three speakers were on a panel discussion recorded by the Pacific Media Centre titled The Rainbow Warrior Incident 35 Years Later, which was organised and hosted by Roxanne Pancesi of Simon Fraser University and co-sponsored by the Europe Institute and the University of Auckland. This webinar was part of the French and Beyond conference that took place online on July 29, 2020. We begin with Dr Pancesi introducing Ina Manuireva. Um, whatever else we might speak about today, we need to keep our sort of attention and our thoughts um, on the fact that the bombing of the Rainbow Warrior was an incident connected to a long and harmful history of French nuclear testing in the region that dates back to the mid-1960s, with tests finally ending in the mid-1990s, as I said earlier, but with legacies, of course, that continue up to the present. So, Anna, your personal and family relationship to this history as someone you know, who's from the place, I wonder if you could get us started with connecting us to this place and to the people that you have family and other connections to who were affected by French nuclear testing. Thank you very much, um, Roxanne, for this introduction. Uh, My connection with the uh, nuclear testing by the French is... uh, it's very, very close to my family. Uh, my sister, just before me, was born with um, difficulty with her bones. She couldn't stand. She only crawls, you know, for the at least a year and a half and start walking when she was two. So that was quite, uh, that's why it became very, it is uh, very personal. On the other matter, my mother, who uh, was on the island with my three other siblings and my dad, they witnessed 
the very first um, nuclear test in 1966. And they were outside, they were working. My dad was a fisherman and a pearl diver. So they were all doing the work. They were told that there will be something happening, but they weren't aware of when and what are the measures of safety that were or, or not were given to them. So they were still outside. They saw this big mushroom. They went outside to see what was happening. And that is when um, some months later, my mom was telling me that um, they just carry on with the business as usual. They weren't told about the danger. They were, say, they were told that it was clean. The nuclear tests um, in uh, Mangariva, on, at least on Morudwa and Fangataufa, were clean. So they did believe the authorities over there. The church played a big, huge role in keeping the population um, in the know, but I suspect they didn't know much either, even though it was the French missionary. The administration, the mayor at the time, Tepano, uh, was not briefed either about what was going to happen or when. They knew that something was coming, but they didn't know when. And it's only um, my mom was poisoned with the uh, eating the same, they, they went on the same diet. Our diet is based on fish and also what grows from, uh, the, from the soil in, in Mangariva. So she, they all kept the same diet and my mom had her lips um, bleeding because of the poison of the uh, fallout, I guess, and which is the reason why we had to move Tahiti. Uh, sorry, we have to move to Tahiti from Mangareva when I was a year, a year and a half. So it was for that reason my mom and my dad were very worried about what could happen to to their um, children. And this is it. We we grew up in in Tahiti. I have go back to as I said in the as you said in the introduction, I have been back to Mangareva since the age of 10, 11, go and see some relatives who were at the time um, healthy, if you want. But now a lot of them have died, and the most uh, spread disease there were, was the um, thyroid cancer in amongst women. So I have witnessed as well some of the um, the way the population was uh, treated in 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 uh, Monga River. I think I sent you a picture about the depot where the population had to uh, find shelter there. And next to it, you have the bunker for the military. So that's that's my connection. That's how close I am to this uh, experience. And obviously, I have lived through it. Our, my other two siblings after me are healthy. So it, this is my connection with uh, with um, this uh, topic of today. And I was just wondering, maybe we could have uh, asked... Um, Oscar to come on because he was the one who spearheaded this movement, this whole movement since 1977, I think. So 50 years of the same fight. So hopefully we can have him, you know, interviewing. Thank you.
Yeah, it was um, uh, just like yesterday. Uh, we were supposed to go on board uh, on the Rainbow Warrior. The Rainbow Warrior was supposed to come to, uh, to the Cook Island. And uh, we were supposed to, to fly to the Cook Island and go on board and from there sail to Moruroa to stop one of the French nuclear testing. That was in 1985. And uh, just uh, at the bombing of the Rainbow Warrior, I received a, a text from uh, Stephanie saying that the boat was uh, uh, bombed by, uh, they don't know who, but uh, right away I told her it has been done by the French. I, w I was sure, you know, uh, we've been dealing with the French for years. <laughs> So I knew right away I was not by the French. You know, I've been to Algeria by the year 1960. And uh, we start, you know, demonstrating against the French nuclear testing from, the, from our elders, our Tupuna. In the 60s, we were young and the church people. And uh, we uh, demonstrate, uh, used to demonstrate every first week of March, you know, after the uh, PCC conference of churches, the one that uh, was held on uh, Ponape Island, and it was decided just to remember what has happened on the Bikini Atoll, uh, Kwajalein Atoll, the Marshall Islands. So every week of March from 1938 for 30 years till the last uh, you know, uh, when uh, Jacques Chirac decided to resume nuclear testing on the atoll of Moruro, that was 1995. <clears throat> what uh, Ena just said, uh, the same uh, problem, uh, uh, you know, happened not only on, uh, on the Gambia Islands. Gambia is one of the closest islands to Moruro. And uh, when they, uh, one of the atmospheric tests, I just don't remember what year was that, the goal, the goal general, the famous general, the goal of France came to Tahiti. He was on Moruroa and he was supposed to go to the Gambia Island. But uh, when they pushed the button for that nuclear atmospheric test, the wind blow that way on the Gambia Island. And uh, the, uh, the, uh, the lady who was a teacher on the, uh, on the Manga River, who has prepared the room and uh, the bungalow for the goal, was very disappointed because the goal refused to go on the uh, on, uh, uh, Manga River because he knew, he knew the, uh, the, the clouds went that way. You know, the uh, weather forecast was uh, uh, saying that uh, the uh, nuclear radioactive fallout was going on the atoll of Mangareva. So the girl refused to spend the night on the atoll of Morurua and the people of Morurua were, were just put, of uh, Mangareva, were put uh, in a warehouse. Yes, they did. And the military in a blockhouse, you know, uh, a block was uh, built with uh, cement and, you know, uh, irons. It's uh, thick, maybe uh, two meters thick for the militaries. And the, but the parents of Ena were put in a very simple uh, warehouse. And, you know, uh, 
just a few years ago, maybe 10 years ago, the French decided to uh, destroy all those, uh, you know, uh, uh, warehouse on every atoll. And I told to the mayor of uh, the Gambia Island, who was at uh, that time, Madame Richemont, uh, yes, forgot her name. Don't just keep it, don't destroy it. It will be, uh, you know, for the next generation. But unfortunately, she uh, was, uh, she had pressure from the former president of this country who was Gaston Floss. Destroy it, it's not beautiful. We have to clean the uh, uh, atoll of Mangareva. But, uh, you know, uh, the people of the Gambia Island, our people here, I nearly bury every day people here in my city of Afa'a is the biggest city in population wise. And uh, almost every day we bury people dying from different type of cancer and so on. So uh, it's, uh, we just, I just wonder sometimes what, what sin have we done to the French to deserve this kind of treatment? That was Oscar Temeru, independence leader and five times president of French Polynesia. Mr Temeru is currently in a court battle with the French government over funding of the pro-independence community station Radio Tefana. He talks about the court case and why he thinks legal proceedings are politically motivated. You know, uh, <clears throat> I t- just told you in a couple of days we'll be in front of the court, of the French court of Papa Ete. Because, uh, you know, the plan of uh, the French government, they're trying to close Radio Tefana. Radio Tefana is known throughout the world as a nuclear-free radio, you know. And uh, they are also preparing uh, the assassination of the political leader who is in front of you. And... uh, because of his fight against the French nuclear testing and uh, the fight for our uh, self-determination. And uh, I would like to uh, ask Ena uh, about the idea of, uh, you know, to join the movement throughout the world, Black Lives Matter, to add Mahu Lives Matter. What do you think about that? I um, I thoroughly because agree with you. Because our people are dying, are dying of, uh, because of the French nuclear testing and the future generation. It's worse than, uh, you know, it's a kind of racism from the French government. Uh, I, I totally I, I totally and thoroughly agree with you. It, it, it is on behalf of the people, as I said, who are still dying. We need to have a movement that says, you know, we are here to protest about what happened in, in French Polynesia against our will, that's for French sure. French-occupied Polynesia. French-occupied Polynesia or Maohinui against our, our will. And this is a movement that we, we were hoping um, to make this new generation here in New Zealand, but also all over the world a bit. As well in Tahiti, I know that there is a big movement of young people taking on this new... Um, Baton taking on this new project of making themselves uh, present, their presence, making their presence felt as new um, future generation to stand against colonialism, neocolonialism, as you mentioned it, because it is important. We are, especially the small island like uh, 
Mangadev, a very small island where we are very dependent on what's happening in Tahiti or what's happening in France. So we we need to um, to join. We need to join these this kind of movement, saying that we are here. We are small, but we can put all of Europe within uh, Maohinui. So you know, it's it's a movement that should be absolutely should 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 be born from out of this conference or the conference to come in, in order to make people aware of this movement, this uh, anti-colonialism movement that we are setting up, I guess. Uh, it's really, that's the truth. It's uh, the colonial uh, uh, situation of our country. And um, that's our fight for over 40 years now. So uh, you're right, we have to... Uh, sensibilize and conscientize the new generation to take up the, the flag and go forward. And we need the whole world, the support of the international community. That's very true. That was Oscar Temeru and before him Ina Manui Reva talking about the need for international solidarity to stand up for Maohi lives. Next up, you'll hear from Stephanie Mills, a former Greenpeace Pacific nuclear test ban campaigner and previous chair of Greenpeace's New Zealand board, who speaks about the impacts of the Rainbow Warrior bombing. This is 35 years since the bombing of the Rainbow Warrior, but obviously a longer time since uh, French nuclear testing started. So I think it is appropriate that we remember people from across Timuananuiakiwe, across the world actually, who have um, been impacted. So I think also I'd like to acknowledge uh, Fernando Pereira, For Greenpeace, he was not just a photographer um, and crew member, he was a friend of many people. And his murder by the French state in the form of the bombing of the Rainbow Warrior is something that was a trauma for many people and for Greenpeace as an organisation that I think we still have as part of our history. On the positive side, he had a legacy of environmental activism that he passed on to his daughter, which has been great. And I think also his his photographs... uh, a very important and still very striking record of the impact of testing in the Marshall Islands in particular. I also wanted to remember today Steve Sawyer, who was on on the Rainbow Warrior in 1985. He was the campaigner who really drove that campaign. He died almost exactly a year ago today. He was also on the Rainbow Warrior in 1995 when we went back to Mōrera, and when uh, the final round of French tests finished there. And uh, he was an important, a very important person and friend in my life and in, in many people's. And finally, I also want to remember um, Marie-Therese and Bent Danielson, um, yes. who uh, for many activists around the world and for, and for activists in, in uh, Te Ao Māori, were an incredibly important bridge. They amplified... Um, what was happening in Tahiti to many other parts of the world and their book um, Poison Rain was I think very it's probably dated now in many of its attitudes but it was very important in spreading the word Um, so uh, and also finally Roland um, Oldham Oldham from um, Mororoi Etato I think as Oscar said people are still dying and people still need assistance and there's still a job to do and he was critical in that. So um, rest in peace, those people. Um, their legacy still lives with us. 
And um, it's so good to have Oscar here. And um, I think of Taya, Hushon, uh, Vito, Parade, uh, yes. Patrick, uh, many other people. Um, my journey from 1985, it probably began before that. My mother was born in the Cook Islands. And so although she's um, Pākehā, there was always a, a kind of feeling in our family that we had a wider connection beyond Aotearoa, New Zealand. And uh, I remember postcards of the Free, the first Greenpeace vessel that sailed in the Pacific on our mantelpiece when I was probably six or seven. So I can blame that on my parents. But uh, in 1985, I was actually working as a journalist on the Herald. And um, yeah, I think everybody in New Zealand probably remembers what they were doing that, that night or that next morning. Um, it, it's become something that was, that's been part of our, our history as a country. But of course, um, it took a long time to get justice for Fernando, and for and and we're still, I guess, um, in the tail end of that that history. You know, the the campaign against nuclear testing was in Greenpeace's DNA from its start in Vancouver, and the tests that you know the the um, first sail up to Amchitka to stop the um, American tests there. Um, but I think that um, the the campaign in the Pacific was slightly different in that we we had to have the mandate of people in Tahiti. And Oscar, again, I just say that was such an important relationship. We could not have been in Tahiti without the blessing, I guess, of, of Oscar and other people, uh, people like Gabby Tetirahi as well. I mean, there were so many people, but... Um, mm-hmm. I think that we we were quite naive too about the uh, pressure that people in Tahiti were under. And I mean, I think I used to joke about it, but but I only had to visit. You know, I'd get met at the airport by various immigration police. I didn't get followed around and have my photo taken. There were the, you know, I mean, Oscar knows the story. There's, it's like East Germany, eh? You have the Stasi there just in a different form. Um, and so I think that that was... Um, a real challenge for us, particularly from Anglophone, Anglo-Saxon countries, then working both in the Pacific with Pacific partners and in an organisation that was global. Uh, and I, th- I think part of the impact of the bombing actually was that it didn't just bomb the Rainbow Warrior in Auckland and really sank the Greenpeace office in France for, for quite a number of years. Um, because of the way the French government portrayed the bombing as almost like Greenpeace's fault, I think, in France. It was an, another kind of tour. And I remember um, meeting with people in Greenpeace France several times, every time before we went back to Tahiti, because it was such a big a big trauma for them. And I, I mean, I guess what I would say, though, is that over the decades, the mood shifted, not just in New Zealand and in other countries around the world, but certainly in Tahiti and certainly in France. And so, you know, by 1995, when Chirac resumed testing, just after the world had, you know, tried to renew the non-proliferation treaty and people were trying to get a comprehensive test ban treaty, I mean, there was a majority of people in France opposed to testing. There were, you know, um, dozens of boats in the Pacific Peace Flotilla, not just from New Zealand, but from Australia, from Chile, the walker from um, 
the Cook Islands, you know, there were people all over the world. There were five million people that signed a global petition. So, you know, all it was an example of um, change from the bottom up, from people up. And certainly while Greenpeace was in the limelight because of, of its role, um, it, it wasn't something we did on our own. And I, I, I always think about that, that concept of a billion acts of courage that, you know, no one person, no one organisation can take on these big systems and state interests in the sort of nuclear state without um, an enormous number of people's efforts. So I guess when I'm talking to students now, because um, the Rainbow Warrior bombing and the nuclear-free legislation is now part, a core part of the history curriculum in New Zealand schools, uh, my children and their friends are saying, what happened, Mum, what happened? And so I, I, I think telling that uh, that truth, it's more than a story, it's a truth about what happened is really important because it's not just about nuclear, it's not just about the bombing of the warrior, it's about people having agency to make change. And so we didn't win a campaign, we moved, you know, we moved power. And I think that kind of analysis is incredibly important. That was Stephanie Mills, former Greenpeace Pacific nuclear test ban campaigner and previous chair of Greenpeace's New Zealand board speaking about the impact of the Rainbow Warrior and the campaign against nuclear testing in the Pacific. You're listening to The Radioactive Show, produced this week by me, AC, and brought to you with the support of the ACE Nuclear Free Collective at Friends of the Earth. The audio featured in today's show was recorded by the Pacific Media Centre, with thanks to the editor, Professor David Robbie. I've included a link to an article about the full Rainbow Warrior incident webinar in our podcast page, which is at www.3cr.org.au forward slash radioactive. That's it for today. The show was produced at my home in Nam, Melbourne, and distributed across these stolen lands known as Australia on the Community Radio Network. You can get in touch with The Rad Show by looking us up on Facebook or by calling the station on 03 9419 8377 and leaving a message. We'll finish the show today with a song by The Herbs called French Letter, which they released as a single in 1982. Thanks for listening, and here's to a nuclear-free future. Can you see yourself under a coconut tree? One thing for nothing, well maybe a cooler breeze. When all things romantic mean the self-classified.
listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.